Welcome to the Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 202. I've done that before, 202 times actually now. <laughs> um, we have today a super special guest again. So we've, we're rolling out the guests actually, aren't we, in the minute, Johnny? Yeah, this is the third episode in a row with the guests, isn't it? Third or fourth? Uh, perhaps fourth, if you count the, the two scumbags we had on episode 200. Yeah. I don't know if you count them. I don't um, offensive reviews by uh, two people who didn't like us talking like we don't like us talking fuck off <laughs> our, our current guest who will introduce as she sits there silently kind of watching, <laughs> watching on we will introduce in a moment but she uh, she sorted us out with a nice happy friendly review try and make up for the terrible ones that we've had of late so that's nice isn't it yes Johnny that's nice just it is nice. nice. Yeah, it's nice to have one good review. <laughs> one, yeah, we have got one. Um, a few reviews, good ones. Really. I'll just, I'll just get into it, shall we? So we have Hannah Murphy on the show. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Hi. Say a big How massive hello. Yeah, good, good. I just, I just explained pre-call. I'm a, I'm a little tired, a little bit um, lethargic from the. Uh, I think the term would be post, post, if I can say it, postprandial solemnance from the sheer copious volume of uh, food of Steen. If anyone's interested, um, actually, you wouldn't be able to see it. If anyone's just you check my story. No, you won't, because this will be out a week later and it'll be gone. <laughs> Longer. Um, so no, you won't see it. But basically, I've just nailed um, quite a lot of, well, food from a place called Junkyard Markets. Market, so you can probably tell what that's going to be like. So, um, But we're good. We're all energised. Um, uh, before we kind of get into anything in-depth, usually, and I like to... Just start with a little update from Johnny. Make sure he's all right. That things are going well. Um, keep it short, Johnny. Don't no jibber jabber. Sixty seconds, please. I mean, if I'm not very all right this uh, anatomical wise today, this week I'm being very good. Oh, my arthritis in my shoulders playing up, and I'm better. My only thirty-four, and I got arthritis. Um, and my elbows hurting. I well, just been training a week. <laughs> Well, if only we knew someone that was kind of a specialist, perhaps in some form of exercise rehabilitation or kind of anything in that realms. If only, hey. If only. Yeah, my ears are pricking up. Well, that's that's. <laughs> Sorry, I was say I, really, I, really crazy. I would say my, my arthritis is pretty much my really. I I think. Gen- Gen- genuine question, Johnny. Do you actually have symptoms of arthritis or? Yes, arthritis. The surgeon said, you have arthritis. He even showed me it on the screen, on the DVD he did. When he cut me off, well, he didn't cut me off on the keyhole. He, he said, do you want a video? I said, yeah, crack on, if you want to do that. And he showed me the actual arthritis on, um, it's all like little in white bits inside you. So that's arthritis, that is. So oh, lovely, tidy. Well, um, you might need to give Hannah some context about like your your medical history, I suppose, because she's probably sitting thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like most people who talk to me, really. Well, you are Welsh, so. True. Uh, dislocated my shoulder when I was playing rugby. 18 or 19 year old, was I? Was, like, was that 15, 16 years ago? Um, it went out. Then they said it went out the back way. Back? Yeah. Went out that way. So I didn't bother playing rugby. Started boxing. And it punched out. And it went out the same way. The same arm. Same arm. So they it took them five hours to put it back in. For some reason, it was quite um, I don't know whatever was wrong with it. Something wrong with it. Um, and then so I left it. And then I was in the shower when I grabbed a sponge and I tore the layer from all the way around. But at the time, I thought, oh, that's a bit. That's a bit of a. It's a dodgy tickler, isn't it? What's that about? So I carried on boxing for a year with the layer from torn. So I don't think helped the arthritis situation long term. I don't think. And then Adi operated on, and he stitched it back together, pretty much. And that is about it. And is it functionally sound now? It does hurt now and again? I, I, I do. Other than the severe arthritis, yeah, <laughs> it's alright. It aches very easily doing stupid things. I can't hold it if I'm holding someone out, out, out there. It's quite 
difficult. What, how often would you need to hold your arm? Yeah, but like, there, you know, like uh, I, I can't remember. I don't think of a situation where I was doing it. It's very, what's the word? Weak and, I um, can't think of the word really. There's not much fitness in that, in that arm. <laughs> like yeah, I, I feel. It's, it's, quite, it's as strong as the right arm, but it, let's say it couldn't do as many reps as the right arm. It, it, okay. fatigues, very, it fatigues very easily. Okay. I feel like this should be some sort of form of paid consult. <laughs> trying to diagnose Johnny's issues. Be honest, mate. I think you pleasure yourself too much. I think that's the problem. Say it again. <laughs> I won't say that again. Oh, <laughs> um, no, no, I'm not going to say it again. I think um, maybe we get on to some actual topic and stop wasting people's time. <laughs> um, so, Hannah, I'll, I'll briefly introduce you in terms of, uh, I guess, you are a sports and exercise therapist. Is yeah. that correct? Um, yep. And we want to get you on the show today to kind of talk about all things rehabilitation, rehab, sports, therapy, but kind of really focusing on the myths, I would probably say, the kind of common myths that people seem to hear in the industry. And I've got a few. I, I kind of said, oh, there's a few things I would like to discuss. Um, I, would, I, don't, I don't know where you want to start with it, uh, but whether I just, you want me to throw a, there's a myth. Tell me about this. What do you think of this type of thing? And maybe we go that. We'll unless you just want to give a little bit more of a brief. Actually, before I do all that, yeah, let's give a bit of brief introduction of how you got to where you are now. Because um, obviously, you've been on a good journey yourself in terms yeah. of kind of like journey into fitness and all that type of stuff. So uh, maybe give the the people that don't know you, if they're, that listening, what that, what your your journey is. Um. Yeah. So basically, uh, I got into fitness at the age of twenty five. Um. So I'm. 30 now um lost a lot of weight you know your typical backstory lost a lot of weight um decided that oh my goodness weight loss isn't the be all and end all of the world um maybe i should focus on some other things um decided to do a personal training course uh and then i've been on this like rabbit hole pretty much ever since when basically just every day is realizing that i don't know anything about anything at all and that there's a lot of um, misconceptions in the fitness industry. There's a lot of what we believe isn't really true and stuff like that. And then I went into rehab and I realised it's the exact same. So I think no matter what kind of profession you're in, there's a lot of misconceptions, dog- dogmatic beliefs and stuff like that wherever you go, really. I think that's the uh, the problem with any industry, I guess, where there's anything to be sold. I think as soon as you get to a place where people are trying to sell a service or stand out or be special, you get to a point where people have to come up with their own ideas, which then usually, well, they might they may be evidence-based, but quite often they then kind of go away from the evidence and just start becoming, like you say, dogmatic or have their own ideas yeah. into to why theirs, their, their ideology or their product or their service or whatever is better than someone else's that's the that's exactly what it is and I, you know we, we 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 can see it all in the fitness industry so i work with a lot of personal trainers and they're always like oh well yeah you know herbalife this is bad this is bad this is bad but then they're also buying like lacrosse balls and they're saying foam rolling yeah. is changing their tissues and so it's it's just across the board yeah uh it's just it's absolute madness but like i said every day i just find out something new and you know i realized that wow we're not actually puppet masters and there's a lot going on uh, behind the scenes really mm. whether you're in nutrition fitness strength and conditioning mm-hmm. you know um rehab it's all the same really yeah yeah I, I mean i'm by by no stretch any uh i wouldn't even say competent at kind of anatomy biomechanics uh physiology of any stretch in that in that realm really but even i kind of have started to all the bits i hear from people it's like oh there's so much out there that 
that I used to believe in, like, you know, you, you mentioned lacrosse ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great jamming a lacrosse ball into your IT band or into your shoulder or whatever. It's, it's lovely. Like, it really hurts. It must mean it's a good thing. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Everyone tells you, like, that hurts, so that must be doing something good. And, like, phone roll. Oh, yeah. Foam rolling is a prime example of something that I used to, you know, I used to think, oh, heavy leg session, legs are in bits. Yeah, I'm going to really kind of work out all these knots and work out all these bits with a, with a soft foam roller type thing. I think, mm. And obviously it's now over time we listen. Sorry, Johnny, go on. I reckon that. Is it Kerry Starrett or Starlet? Yeah, something yeah. He's definitely got something to do with this. Definitely. Yeah. I enough, I bought his book, never opened it. I did the same. I've got his book and... Uh, he's got like archetypes or I don't know he's got all these weird different words for how correct this should are and uh, he's actually kind of rides off the fact that he's got this reputation in CrossFit and he's worked with the military and it, whatever CrossFit box you'll go in his book will be there mm. like without a doubt um, I things he says I'm like well okay my, um, my, my bone structure is different to his or hers yeah. How can you expect me to move like her? It doesn't yeah. work. Like that. So I'm like, if he's saying everyone's the same, it's like, mm, I don't think so. Like one of his overhead squat drills, I probably expect you wouldn't be able to do that uh, how he would, which makes sense considering you dislocated your shoulder twice. Yeah. My I, I, shoulder mobility is horrific. My my mobility is horrific. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to go to a physio to had some groin pain uh, a few weeks ago uh, or a few months ago probably now really but i'd suffered with it for a while and decided oh, i should probably get that checked out really it's not going away it's saying and uh the one of the screening thing the, the screenings they were getting me to do said can you just uh kind of do a, a one-legged squat I, was like, I couldn't do a one-legged squat if i was if i was healthy <laughs> let, let i can't do a one-legged squat <laughs> i was like let alone if let alone if uh if i didn't have this injury i thought it's hilarious but yeah have you seen the dragon squat? Uh, I have. It's like who the fuck does things like that? How I can't do, do that? Dragon squat save my life. If I'm saying, it's probably like point one percent of the whole fitness world do that. I think they just do it to show off. Yeah, I think. I, um, I was just going to say, I think just in terms of some some topic content and some value to the individuals. One thing, kind of like the. I suppose the scenario of me and kind of this, this pain I had, and I thought it brought out a, a kind of common question that I often get in terms of like sites of pain and where pain um, is kind of felt by the individual in terms of like, the, is that relevant to the actual injury that you might have? Um, it can be, you can obviously, you've got different, so if you've got an acute injury, you, you know, if you were running and you felt, something sharp or a pop in your reductor you'd expect that but you know um you can get referred pain as well so you can get shoulder pain referred from the diaphragm and get thoracic pain referred by the gallbladder and all these other different places but i think generally um if it's acute you can pretty much mm. uh and you've got a clear mechanism of injury so like yeah if it's running like, or you're getting out your car you or chop the finger off shower, if you chop the finger off, you're probably quite safe to think it's coming from the point of chopping your finger, yeah. <laughs> finger yeah. off. No, it's just it's an interesting thing because like the whole idea of pain and what we know about pain like absolutely amazes me. In fact, sorry, what should I say? Well, how little we know about pain, I guess, if that's fair to say. Um, it astounds me really that we're still working so much stuff out, and that I guess pain. And I suppose that word acute used is probably quite key in that especially when yeah. it comes to kind of chronic pain and working out kind of what that actually means is quite a difficult thing because it's, it's bizarre it, it really is because chronic pain as well you know the physiological healing process a lot of times may have ended but you can still have the individual having pain symptoms daily um so you know there's so much behind it rather than everyone just seems to zone in and focus on tissue damage which again damage is a harmful language um everyone's focused on the biological structures affected um when actually there's a lot more to it yeah and i think i mean as a as a lifter that knows nothing about it like literally nothing about it is just you just think oh something's happened here then oh that must be what the, the problem is and i guess a lot yeah. of the time i mean my groin was a, as a prime example of I, I thought oh, i must have a groin strain or i must have 
you know, I think a, year, a number of years ago, I suffered with kind of almost, a, I suppose, like a, what you call a sports hernia. Um, yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a recurrence of, of that. And turns out nothing to do with it in, in the slightest. It was actually to do with a weak left, left-sided glute that was just causing some issues down my left side and causing some form of like hip impingement or something or in, like inside my pelvis. Yeah. And um, I've been kind of rehabbing things like just doing like glute activation in air quotes um, and kind of just stuff on, on kind of that side. And I will say it has made a massive difference. But I'd, yeah. I'd never considered anything like that if I hadn't have gone to see a physiotherapist to say, like, this is probably what we think might be issues. Let's try these things out and see kind of what happens on the pain scale and, and kind of adjust over time. And it's amazing really to think like, you know, the pain was going from my groin, but it's something to do with more on kind of like my, my hip flexors, my glute, down the left side of my knee. I've had a full ACL reconstruction on my left side of my knee as well. So I guess it's all probably chronic stuff over a long period of time that has just left my left side a bit weak and um for some reason just decided to manifest now as, as like i say some form of impingement so, where did they take the um graft from the hamstring or the patella patella, patella yeah uh, so okay. yeah, i've got a nice little gap in between my uh or underneath my kneecap now with my tendon where obviously they they cut a bit out and threaded it through so nasty football That's, really, um but... i was actually listening to a podcast uh adam meekins the other day and they oh, were yeah. saying should the patella tendon be classed as a ligament because it's the most ligament-like structure that there mm. is in tendons. Um, but these days, a lot of people go for the hamstring. You hear a lot of, you get a lot of hamstring reconstructions. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, I had mine done in 2009. So, and I think they did at the time because it was definitely on, like a discussion point was around where they were going to take it from the hamstring. And I don't know why, but I think where I'm based in Norwich, there, there's a quite a good specialist around here, um, which for whatever reason, you know, I've, I've, well, I've heard he's got quite a good reputation or did anyway, 10 years ago um, around these types of things. And they just decided to take it from the patella. And I will say it's been, you know, I had a year of recovering stuff, but I kind of feel a little bit outside of that. I've not really had any issues with kind of, I guess the, the performance or, you know, the ability of that knee compared to even yeah. my, my, my right one. Um, but who knows? it might, it might, I mean, it might be one of these things where it's like psychosomatic and I don't actually know, like, my my knee might only be ninety percent, but I don't know what hundred percent feels like in that knee anymore. So for me, it feels like hundred percent, but I don't know any different. But who knows? But yeah, the the pain thing is an interesting thing because to say it's just I guess you hear the things like I don't know phantom pains, like you say around the healing process ending, and you would expect logically pain to then stop, but obviously that clearly isn't always the case. And you hear that like, these phantom yeah. pains where people have like limb amputations and they still feel pains in arms that don't exist anymore, legs that don't exist anymore. I mean that's always a kind of a really weird concept to me and i think would that then come into the other so you've got before it used to be a very biomedical model that they'd follow so this is a biological issue you know you've got a clear this movement's wrong or this tissue's wrong but now obviously there's the biopsychosocial model and with these phantom pains there's no biological if there's the limbs missing so then you know that would make sense if you're putting in these psycho psychological and social stresses that someone would mm. be feeling pain mm. yeah it's, it's, it's i mean it's weird the whole thing weirds me out about pain and i guess like you could probably do a whole like series of podcasts on pain and pain science and all that type of stuff yeah but um it's you know a lot of it as well it's the beliefs around pain what it is is this damaging do we work again you know in the fitness industry we say like oh you should never train through pain or you should never do this I mean sometimes we blanket people too much and we wrap them up in cotton wool and it's not to say that you know we should be beasting people in the gym but what is a tolerable level what is normal what is normal for this person compared to that person is there any damage what's the healing process like there's so many considerations around pain um but even now there's um they're saying that training some pain if you're recovering from injury is actually more advantageous than being pain-free because it decreases the sensitivity of the central nervous system which again if you feel pain you're going to you know be hyper hyper vigilant hypersensitive and working in pain at you know about five out of ten they call it um actually has better outcomes than being pain-free yeah that that definitely makes sense to me i would say it's something that i think as a n equals one experiment that i've 
always done. You know, I've said about the groin and just trying to train through it in air quotes, which yeah. and I know is not always the right answer or the best answer, but I've always taken the approach of like, I'll try and do what I can and not completely yeah. avoid it because I feel like exactly what you said, I suppose using that word hypersensitive, you you kind of feel like your body's quite smart. And if you try and avoid it completely, you, it'll then almost try and protect you against that stuff all the time. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, pain isn't even indicative of anything. There may be pain with tissue damage. There may be pain with no tissue damage. Is it dangerous? No, no, not always. You know, some things are really dangerous, but you don't feel pain. And, for example, a stroke is extremely dangerous, but it's not painful. But you stub your toe, it's not dangerous, and it's really painful. So... You know, it's just a really complex, complex thing. And it's mm. so difficult to explain. And then, obviously, if you've got a client or you're speaking to someone who's got pain, it's communication the biggest thing here. Because, you know, language, you can either nocebo them or you can make them feel like they're not being listened to or you can undermine their pain experience because you don't want to say, oh, it's just in your head or it's, you know, actually there's a lot going on. That's not the point, but it's trying to explain that it's very broad and a very complex thing with a lot of, um, there's a lot of things playing into it. Yeah. I don't know if this is a too complicated question, but would there be any like high level guidance you could give to someone that is suffering from either an injury or pain? I know it's like a bit of a, a too open ended question of like what is the injury, but I just wonder if there's anything kind of say is a kind of general guidance for someone like if they've got an injury, what they would do in terms of how they can either manage it themselves or you know assess think, themselves to see if they should get treatment or not. Is that too complicated? I think as well, it, yeah, it, it's quite complicated because again, um, you could who you go to if. Like I said, back in, you know, we're still kind of 30 years behind. We're still very much biomedically orientated. So, you know, you could go to see uh, a physio who's just going to massage it for 30 minutes, which, again, it might be a nice feeling when you're there and you're having it done, but is that going to be really beneficial for you long-term? Is that really going to get you out of it? I, you know, um for me as a practitioner i go for active management but even then that's not the be all and end all you know um you know in cases of chronic low back pain back pain specific exercises versus general exercises typically perform the same so there's it's just really really complex Hmm. yes yes it is (laughs) um go so I mentioned glute activation. Is it a thing? Yes. Is it a thing? As in, I think I've got an opinion on it, but my opinion isn't based on much scientific evidence base. Um, so I could be <laughs> well off, which is actually well, the actual truth. But um, I suppose I'll just start with that. Is it is it a thing? And if it is a thing, what is it? <laughs> so the, the glute med and the TFL are kind of always... Um, always blamed for a lot of things so again that's very much just focusing on this biomedical model and in terms of glute activation again it's kind of like a buzzword and we're getting all these bands and doing kickbacks and you need yeah, to get I just, this firing I think, but in I, reality if, if our glutes weren't activating you know if someone can stand up their glutes are activated that's what i was, was going to say i think the the you often hear like obviously like you say almost like pts or fit pros or whatever saying oh you've got to activate your glutes to get the most out of xyz or whatever or to grow yeah. your glutes you've got to do this and then you get the other side of the coin exactly what you've just said where people say well if they weren't activated you wouldn't be able to walk you'd fall over type thing so i yeah. kind of think like where are we with it then like that's why i've asked like is it a thing then like as in is there benefit to doing stuff to either warming up and i don't know if we're arguing semantics because it's, techno- it's terminology but or is there a thing where actually like a level of activation take like in my example where i'm kind of rehabbing injury does it have some positive benefits uh yeah so again back to your n equals one it's having positive benefits for you so and it's active management so that's fine around language being used i'd probably be mindful of that and i'd also make sure that the rehab would be progressive so obviously you know um 
do we need to do a load of clamshells and uh, banded exercises long term? No. Um, single leg deadlifts? Yes. You know, squats? Yes. Uh, hip thrusts? Yes. Can we load the glutes, make them stronger? Yeah, that's what I would be going for versus trying to get them firing when they're already firing. But again, lunges, could that just be a good exercise? Yeah. So do, do you feel there's probably not, so let's say for a healthy individual, someone that isn't uh, injured in any way, do you think there's any efficacy in doing things like warm-up work, like band, like you said, anything banded or a kind of like kickbacks or just something that kind of engages, makes you feel like the glutes are working, kind of my muscle connection to them, all that stuff. Do you think that actually has any benefit to kind of like then the lifting side or? I mean, it, de- it depends. So for me, I'd rather warm up quickly, warm up the movement. I'm going to do it, make sure my heart rate's up, make sure my blood blood flow's um, obviously up. I don't know where I was going with that. But um, is spending 20 minutes at the start of your workout warming up your glutes an efficient use of time for the general population versus, you know, a goblet squat or a front squat or a hip thrust i'd probably go for the more progressive exercises than think that yeah we need to have them doing 20 kickbacks superset with 20 monster walks you know Mm. when you're going to get more bang for your book for example with that hip thrust with that bulgarian split squat yeah okay I, I get it and i think i would have definitely been on the same oh i am on the same page um as i say my opinion is not evidence-based in the slightest um but obviously with my own injury it's been weird in that i've i've always had some form of a kind of like um like hip extension or something in my plans so yeah. it's not like i don't i suppose i don't practice or, or work that movement um but obviously i've had this this pain injury which generally has got it progressively better just by doing a lot more things like kickbacks and and kind of some some banded clamshells and stuff prior to to obviously kind of doing my sessions it's weird um so yeah i don't know it's it's weird really i don't know whether it's it is like placebo or whether it's something that i don't know i don't know (laughs) i you know that's the thing it's it's very individual dependent um and again if you're if you're rehabbing and you're rehabbing those specific structures which are presenting you with acute pain, then yeah, that's that's good. But when you get into these chronic conditions or and again, you know, um the physiological healing process is gonna go regardless. So we we don't have that much influence over it and if that gets you moving, then that's great. If that gets you in the gym and training, if that makes you feel pain-free during your workout then that's great that's what's important very 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 well political aren't they? no politicized answer <laughs> <laughs> um okay did i guess like on that theme like how, how important is like prehab to people do you think is that is that something you would say is worth doing i mean I'm, again i'm talking you know the audience is very much the average lifter I guess should people um, be doing a kind of more prehab work to try and avoid injuries or is it something that you think is probably not really no. that required? So I think with again on the general population we have there's so many barriers to exercise and fitness and if you actually look at sports and compare it to weightlifting, weightlifting has a very low prevalence of injury. Very, very low. So it, I think it's better that we get the general population just resistance training you know getting the heart rate up a little bit moving more versus thinking that okay wait again prehab gives the word prehab would kind of give the impression that something's going to happen which could put people in this fearful mindset around movement which we really don't want when a lot of us are physically inactive and sedentary so no um definitely not that's good things. I never stretch or do anything before workout. If I'm going to squat, I just squat lighter. But that's. I think people get very. Um, I used to think that I needed these really complex movements. And the people. Um, I was on a podcast the other day and we were talking about all these intricate powerlifting uh, warm ups. 
when really, how does a bird dog warm you up for a one rep back squat? It doesn't. Squatting does. Hmm. It's like you you see you see like the the high class athletes in any like the weightlifters, powerlifters, and the strong men. You don't see them fanning about with bullshit. You know, they just go right. Nope. This deadlift, this banger like we're on, and we just got to see how much we can do until we die. And that's it. <laughs> you are, warm, you are warming up that specific movement. But again, so say if you were, if that powerlifter was to injure their back during that deadlift, people might be quick to blame the spine or the warm up when actually there's so many other different factors physical preparedness, you know, their sleep the night before, the load lifted, the you know, is it a overuse injury? Is it just presenting now as acute on uh, acute on chronic? So, but we're always quick to jump on a single thing when actually, again, we're just forgetting this whole spectrum that leads up to the injury. I think people forget as well. Some of these high class athletes are at the edge of what the body can do. It's like you have yeah. more chance of getting injured when you're there than yeah. like. Normal average journey. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think obviously that comes down to physical preparedness as well. In that their bodies are more physically prepared for the task in hand because of years of experience in, um, well, years of experience in doing it compared to someone new. I mean, it's a bit like I don't know. Obviously, we had a question around spinal flexion and and kind of because that's this is like one of the common myths that you or say myths. One of the common things you kind of people talk about and kind of lifting with, um, I suppose either rounded spines or whatever, but. I suppose there's, there's, there's exercises that are specifically kind of done to load those spines in rounded positions because there's benefits to potentially doing yeah. it. And I guess, again, that comes down to physical preparedness and kind of the experience of, of your body showing that it can do these things. And, you know, our bodies are not yeah. brittle, tiny um, things that are just going to snap at the, the the slight moment that is outside of its the kind of normal um, positions, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, but... With the thing with spinal flexion as well, um, with, when, even when what you would consider is a neutral spine, which let's okay, you know, shoulders in line with hips, in line with knees, you know, neck, um, straight back, that you are in lumbar flexion, you you will be having lumbar flexion. So um, there's studies in cycling, rowing, sitting, spinal flexion. Not only is it not inherently dangerous it's unavoidable i suppose the, the question is whether like i guess all those things you mentioned there are not loading that position so i suppose a lot of the people worry about oh doing a deadlift and doing you know like a dog doing a shit type <laughs> deadlift <laughs> obviously i can't think what the, the <laughs> what other terms people use but that's one that came yeah. to mind um and obviously everyone worries but like you say i suppose that doesn't always mean that that's the cause of the injury and in fact i mean correct me if i'm wrong but I don't think there's actually that much evidence to suggest that that is a bit massive problem. Uh, that's, I think the study they based that off is based on a cadaver study and um, it was nowhere near maximal flexion and it doesn't correlate, it doesn't really transfer over to you know, the fact that we're living and that our body will adapt to the stresses that we put on it. Mm. So our bodies will adapt to loaded spinal flexion is it appropriate for everybody all the time you know no <laughs> is it dangerous inherently no you know um and i think telling people to telling people to get into this neutral zone or avoid it when it's unavoidable anyway is just a bit silly because mm. you know i'm sat on i'm sat on a sofa now my my spine is in flexion you know, uh, I bend out. You want to see me when I used to work at Pure Gym? I'd pick up the dumbbells with the dog taking a shit back, and you know, got a strong back. There's a strong man local to me who deadlifts exactly like that, and he's three fifty, three sixty, three seventy kilo deadlifts, and I don't think I've ever seen him with a back injury. Yeah. So he's totally the opposite of what you would class as. Uh, a safe deadlift and he's deadlifting more than 99% of us ever will and he's never had a back injury I, I am slightly conscious people are going to take this advice as 
as to never worry about having a neutral spine and to go off and do whatever, <laughs> which I don't think any of us are actually saying, just in case anyone listens and thinks, that's fine, I'm just going to go out and purposely you know, lift it in this manner because these guys say it's okay. <laughs> um, discla- yeah, disclaimer, don't take anything we say as medical advice. <laughs> when, when I always say these things, I thought, I think, okay, well, I'm what I would consider a professional and this information is safe in my hand. I can apply it well to my clients. But then I think that, you know, a personal trainer who's just come out of a six-week course who maybe listened to this, maybe they'd have a bit of, oh sorry I lost it there they'd have some am I back on you're back on um yeah they'd have confirmation bias and think okay I'm gonna get everybody lifting with however I want I'm gonna get my grandma deadlifting you know uh, and really it's not about that it's just more choosing the right language Mm. and realizing that these things are extremely complex um i do also think you know does that mean people think that my clients for example they're all lifting you know with uh, hannah's hannah's clients just lift the however no because there's obviously mechanical efficiency and technique and skill development is extremely important but there's a difference between that and injury risk so that's how that's how I that's what I would take from this conversation is there's a difference between mechanical efficiency, skill development, um, obviously what you're training for, and injury risk. There's never a one size fits all solution, is there? Absolutely not. To anything, nutrition, training, anything. Never. Even though people like to think there, there is obviously there's not. I mean, yes, that's because people are so different in in genetics, in mechanics, in everything, aren't they? I mean, even the kind of idea of how someone should squat and or how someone should deadlift or how someone should do any like rowing movements or anything. I know there's obviously going to be, you know, a, a mechanical skeleton is not so different that it's going to be completely different. But there are so many different individual, individual, inter-individual thank you uh differences between like people there's always gonna be small tweaks and small applications that are going to apply to one person not the next i mean i wish sometimes like i was not six foot very long limbed because i'd be able to deadlift a lot better than i can now or i'd be able to squat a lot better than i can now but unfortunately i am quite long limbed and i'm reasonably tall which makes both of those things a bit more difficult <laughs> um but hey ho is what it is isn't it you can't have to here's accept a, here's a question for you then this is probably i bet you've viewed this a lot should is squatting knees over toes dangerous um no so that (laughs) is again when i did my personal training course we were actually told to cue it so don't let them put their knees over their toes but i didn't even question it at the time and yeah that was something i believed for a long time but Again, when you're walking up the stairs, when you're getting from a seated position to standing, your centre of mass is going forward and your knees are most likely going to travel over the toes. And does that, again, does that mean that people with, say, uh, you know, like a knee problem, should that be their first port of call is, you know, doing really knee flexion, a lot of it? Um, no. But is it something that they can build up to? Absolutely. Uh, it does increase the load and it does increase the stress but again our body is so capable of dealing with these stresses that it would adapt is there any use for a thoroughgun <laughs> in the, um, sorry should i should say in in respect of recovery and rehabilitation not other things <laughs> so um I mean, if you like the way it feels, it might be a pleasant sensation, but um, is it doing anything to the tissues? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Because it's something that you, you you see even what you might say or call evidence-based respected individuals still saying, oh, this is great. Yeah, these are fantastic. Um, and I think, oh, do they then? Okay. And it quite makes me question whether I'm missing something, but... 
No, and do you know what? You find those people using the guns, they're the ones with the chronic overuse injuries, <laughs> so they'll try, they'll use these guns to try and, I don't know what they're trying to do, fix fix the tissue or recover or whatever they're using it for, and then they'll go and keep on applying the same stresses to the body and not managing stuff like their training frequency, volume, load, recover their actual recovery, mm. you know, their sleep, their nutrition. Yeah, yeah. It's normally, so, cause it's normally like athletes you see, like professional athletes reporting that they're, oh, I'm using this thing, it's amazing, it's the best thing ever. Um, obviously, they'll also be the same people that are doing like cupping and like in oh, some yeah. weird medical holistic candles things or I don't know, whatever stuff they do, but... Yeah. They, just, they can kind of do whatever they want can't they really because they, they're probably getting paid for it as well mm. what are you going to say psychology on it people will spend like those guns or do like 500 quid for it so they? they spend 500 bucks as them and they think oh yeah this feels good because of psychology I've spent 500 quid it's something new and it's supposed to be something awesome and so yeah it must feel good like the placebo effect and it's like oh yeah it feels awesome mm. fixed it and then they'll go out and smash Last the three-hour workout, you know, get no sleep, no care to the nutrition, and just think the massage gun's going to fix everything. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Um, and yeah, I think it's what if you were to ask someone with it, you know, what are you actually doing with that? I don't think they'd be able to give you a good answer. Hmm. As much I don't as respect, know why. As much as respect. CrossFit athletes and the high level athletes who are beasts. Every myth and misconception in physio nutrition training, it'll be in CrossFit. To a high level. It's like you've got you guys believe anything. Anything. But they are, you know. They are I'm not denying they're not superb athletes, but they are very susceptible to this sort of stuff, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because the the type of individual that's attracted to CrossFit just has that mentality of like going all in, going hard, and obviously that then crossovers to going all in on trying to find all of the things that work. And I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Because it is. You're right, Johnny. It's always CrossFit people that are always like all in, on, all in on all the myths. And it's like you talk about Rab Donald's got it. CrossFit does. You're like, how are you getting that? You must be doing something ridiculous because because they work harder than both of us put together. That's how me. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, there is there is also that, but yeah, you, that's one thing you can never doubt for like you, you know, oh, no. your general CrossFit is they like if you go watch anyone, they work harder than most people. It's crazy, really. Um, yeah. do, what, what do you think of like stretching then, as well? Then, do you think stretching does a lot for anyone in terms of either improving flexibility or kind of, I suppose, just you know, people always think, oh, you must stretch a bit more for because it, it's good for you type of answers. Is that? What do you kind of think about the premise of stretching? So, I don't want to disregard it completely because uh, there's a guy, uh, his Instagram handle is Flexibility Research, and he is basically dedicated his entire career to research and everything there is to know about all kinds of stretching. So, um, he says that the difference between say strength training for flexibility because we know that strength training increases flexibility of the muscle as well as static stretching he actually says that at the muscle tendon unit static stretching has a better effect but again on a population level would i choose a end range static stretch or would i load it and stretch it i would always probably go for uh strength training to increase flexibility yeah i, I suppose it's kind of i've always thought myself like oh i'm so immobile like my, my flexibility my mobility and i know not necessarily the same thing but um like they're poor i'm basically a walking tin man and i, I feel like i should do more things like that includes both of those types of concepts or or tr- treatments of either kind of things like yoga or pilates or something that is kind of like both mobility and flexibility and strength kind of i think i should do more of that because i'm sure it would help me like just generally being healthier kind of more mobile and kind of help my lifting all that type of stuff and i don't know whether i something that would you kind of prescribe this or not prescribe this but would you recommend people if they wanted to said yeah it would probably help or is that something you think well 
I would I would just do a really good um, exercise program. So um, all my flexibility has kind of increased from just strength training alone. So, you know, uh, eccentric loading of, say, the quads, brilliant for increasing flexibility. Same with calves. Um, you can pretty much load everything you know just just moving them and training them will increase their flexibility do you need to go to yoga Mm, i wouldn't say so unless you enjoy it um or you were doing it for say mindful practices or breathing or you know something different but um you can literally uh yeah the research now suggests that well it says that strength training is flexibility training Hmm. I mean, and what what you find with the mobility flows and all these kind of things to so say it doesn't even follow a real protocol um, to increase flexibility. Say like a static stretch, you need a certain amount of time, a duration, sets, reps, etc. Um, when you're just kind of flowing in and out of these movements, you know, like the kind of YouTube videos you see, the, you're the not Edo portals. Get yeah. It, it wouldn't be a long-lasting uh, increase in range of motion. Yeah. Here's a thought for you. Have we ever seen someone who does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who is not flexible? They walk around like a walking flexi. Just Me? Do, just do some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they'll eventually get flexible. Everyone I know does it. It's just a walking, springy, gangly beast. No, so I, uh, I've just started Jiu-Jitsu and... Uh, yeah, not everyone's flexible, but they end up having uh, a lot more pain. <laughs> yeah, bar left and centre. Is that a jiu-jitsu thing, Amber? Yeah, yes. yeah. They get, <laughs> they get a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> is that a jiu-jitsu thing? That's, that's, so that's not flexible anymore because your arm is hanging off. That's what, what I was going to say. That's where being like hyper-flexible is probably quite a benefit. If you can be left like hyper-mobile joints, especially in an yeah. arm bar, that's probably quite a benefit. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing is, though, with, with jiu-jitsu, if they've not got that range, you can force them into it anyway. But... Yeah, well, that, that that isn't always a positive outcome, though. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> not, not for the other. No, not I, the I, other I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start again jiu-jitsu. In fact, I've been looking at local... There's a couple of lo- local gyms that are now started up again since the lockdown that I want to start going again because I did a bit years ago. Um, and I've been saying, that oh, I really want to get going. I looked at it before like COVID really hit and I was going to start going again. Then if COVID hit and it's all shut down. So I keep saying I'm going to go fun. back. Yeah, I've literally had so much fun. Me, me and Johnny had a massive argument on live on live. I say live in air quotes. Live on the podcast. <laughs> we had a massive argument um, about if uh, if you had to pick one type of martial art would be best for self defense. What would it be? And Johnny went with boxing. And I was like, no way. I said Brazilian BJJ for a long, long way off. It's like the best by a long way. My argument was first it wins generally speaking, not that I'm ever a street fighter. But on, on our argument, Brett, I've actually, I'm actually going to start BJJ the week after next. Good. Good. You'll love <laughs> it. I, I, I don't know anyone that hasn't, or I don't know anyone that's done it and hasn't got, like, literally to the level of addicted. I don't it's know, so addictive. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if it's because, obviously, there's just this mixture of kind of like the physical attributes that need it, but also kind of like the puzzles that get involved in terms of trying to kind of preempt movements, a bit like chess, I suppose, preempt movements and then kind of figure out what is the, the, the thing you're going to do to get out of it or vice versa. Like it's so, yeah, I can't explain it. It's just, it's just in, intoxicating in terms of how just addicted you can get into to kind of thinking about it. And you go, you, you kind of leave, leave a few roles thinking about, oh my God, like I'm literally thinking about it constantly. I can't stop thinking about it. Like what I did wrong or what I didn't do or like, and obviously, like, I'm terrible at it. I'm, uh, it's been a long, long time since I've done it, and I'm like, I, I was never any good even then. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite like I think when you start to see people that or things start to click a bit, it is almost like, oh my god, it's amazing. And you realise that you're still so shit. Yeah, <laughs> you've got such a long I'm way out. to go. <laughs> that's where I'm at. I have private lessons as well outside, so now I'm getting a bit cocky. But I know that I'll go in tomorrow and I'll get absolutely just choked within minutes or yeah. forced into the splits or something equally vile have you ever been choked out uh yeah uh i tap really quickly <laughs> <laughs> no but as in like literally out 
choked out. Not, no, not no, knocked no, out. No. I as soon as you've got me that's it bye bye yeah okay yeah i haven't Let either i haven't either but I'll, I'll be honest i thought about it i wonder what the experience would be like it it's not one uh i i'd willingly want to uh try i'd much rather just drop my pride and give yeah. them a little tap on the back of the legs like let me out because it, it it's when you feel that your head is going to explode uh yeah it's yeah. like it's the martial art where it's totally different than anything else. Where in like boxing and kickboxing, you've got a puncher's chance of winning. Them new. You could flip a kick and a punch, and you could knock someone out. Jiu-jitsu, you've got zero chance. If they had a black yeah. belt, your your any belt, and your you don't do anything, you've got no chance yeah. at all. Absolutely none. Not I, don't, I went recently to see what it was like, and the guy I, I know him for used to, used to work with Dord Lama me, bit of a big lump. He told about showing you things, and he was on top. And I think I can't move. I can't move. There's nothing I can do to stop me from breaking me from top to toe. I couldn't do anything. I was like, and he was just laughing at me. I was like, I found it funny as well because I can't do anything. Barry yeah. bites you, which I can't do. I can't get him to bite you. I can't do anything. <laughs> it's just great. Uh, it, it, with BJJ, basically, if someone's better than you, like the likelihood is you just like you say you're you're gonna you're gonna lose. There's it's just when it the way it goes in that sport. Um, unless they just happen to make a silly, stupid mistake because they either get too cocky or kind of underestimate what the other person can do. But other than that, just basically the better person almost always wins. Um, whereas, like you say, in boxing, there's always a chance that someone's going to get caught with a punch. And you might, oh, oh, underdog suddenly did something. And But yeah, that just doesn't happen in in uh, well, in quite a lot of martial arts, I suppose, in, t- in like that type of thing. But um, well, I think what we on? We're on nearly an hour. Bloody hell! This t- how, how fast the time going? You having fun? Um, before we round up, so I, I don't know if you had any more bits you, you had on notes that you want to cover, or whether we kind of went through it all. Before no, I, I think um, again, one thing just that I would want to cover is that yeah, these blanket statements made it uh, that are often made. Just always kind of question them and think who. Are we talking about everyone here? Does this apply to me? You know, and really, should we be telling clients this, this, and this? And how harmful can our language be in terms of uh, getting people over barriers to exercise in a kind of sedentary nation? Yeah, yeah, that's really important because I guess that's not like, as they say, as a nation, we need any excuses to sit around and not do a lot yeah and again it's kind of confirmation bias oh my friend uh deadlifting you know bad back i'm not going to weight lift and really they were not considering everything you can't really blame a single causative factor um but it's kind of question everything you hear as well mm. uh, yeah cool um do you want to give a shout out to your socials around in case anyone wants to contact you if they want to work with you or you know kind of just get in touch yeah so um my instagram handle is hannah murphy fitness um so generally i take most inquiries off that um and yeah i just really like rehab so if you've got anything weird or wonderful then just contact me uh and lastly we like to ask some non-fitness related questions just for a bit oh, okay. of, for a bit of fun so uh i'm going to ask a few random questions hope you don't mind um try, answer quite quickly with the first thing that comes to mind it'll be funny so um okay. they, they aren't they aren't that outrageous i don't think but um what's your favorite tv show um breaking bad breaking bad okay breaking bad. yeah yeah what's your favorite current tv show Ooh. Like what you watch at the moment? Sons of Sam. Oh, I'm watching that. Netflix. Yeah. I'm watching that. It's alright. That's the Bridgerine, eh? Mass, mass yeah. Murderer. Yes. Yeah. Or Murderers. Murderers. Did I just spoil it? Is that spoiled? It? Everyone should know this already, right? Everyone knows the. Yeah, yeah I hope so. True crime. True crime. Yeah, they didn't know. Sorry. Um, what's the strangest thing in your refrigerator? I don't know. Oh, uh, raw dog food. Is it that strange? No. I suppose it'd be strange if you don't have a dog. <laughs> that, uh, that'd be quite weird. No, I don't, I don't think I've got anything strange. I'm pretty much uh, 
I'm quite a bland, plain eater, really. So there's nothing exciting in there, to well, be honest. I can tell that from your choice of monster flavours, if I'm honest. <laughs> Let's not bring up the. Uh, I thought that would get brought up. To be <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's your favourite monster flavour then? Fiesta. Which ones are the green? Was it green? The turquoisey, bluey that one. Is, that is the best flavour there is by miles. That's, yeah, 100%. The, that's the mango one, and. Um, yeah. It's all right. I mean, it is. It's it's up there, but I don't. I'm not even it's sure if it made top four. Very pleasant. What's in the top four? I don't know. They change a lot. To be honest, sometimes they change my mood. I think depends what type of mood I'm in. But uh, white's always going to be in there as an OG. I think white's yeah, always white, going to be. White's definitely. White's one. White's one like an old high school love that you drift away from, but every now and then you revisit on Instagram and have a look at their pictures and think, oh yeah. <laughs> My favourite one used to be the uh, the yellow one, but I think they've discontinued it. Uh, no, no, I think no, I think they have still have it. Um, it wasn't. I, I, I definitely had some last summer, so I remember having some. Although they were a bulk purchase off of a uh, short dated website, I can't remember which one. Um, so they might have been quite old. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I did buy buy Casey's yellow one, so they, they, I think I've seen them in supermarkets still. But they're nice on a hot. They're nice on a hot summer's day. Because it's like fresh lemon. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think yeah, white's always going to be in there. Um, I rate the green apple one. To be honest, I still think the apple's pretty good. Yeah, um, the green one's really good. But I but I also really like to be like obviously the ginger is 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 the goat. I'll be honest. I love ginger type or spicy type things. So um, kind of anything ginger is amazing. I like ginger ale. So. It's always going to be up there, but I do. I I, I flit it between the red and red and the blacks, kind of like the berry cherry type taste as well. I I flirt with them, and then I'll get repulsed by them, and then I'll I'll, I'll dip my repulsed. toe in again, and I have That's it. That's a strong word. And then I, then I don't like it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Very, that, I, um... I'm a bit like that with purple because I really like again the the kind of the almost the Palmer Violet y. I can't. I don't know yeah. how to describe it. It's kind of like a honey palmer violet type taste. It's got that honey, weird floral honey taste, but it's got like yeah. a bit of a purple violety, a palmer violety type thing. And um, I go through periods of thinking, yeah, that's actually up there as number one or two. And then I think, oh, actually, I'm a bit bored of it now. But there we go. Um, actually, what I would say is the watermelon rain is actually probably better than all of those. What colour is that? Oh, I've not had that. It's not monster. It's rain, Johnny. Um, I don't know. I think the only supermarkets I've seen it in is Asda, actually. I'm gonna have to find that one. Oh. I love. I'm down for anything watermelon. That is my favourite. Yeah, it's very good. Um, they do a watermelon fiesta in Monster, but I don't think we get it in the UK anywhere. So that's is upsetting. It is upsetting. Yeah. Um, if uh, actually no, what was your favourite toy growing up? Oh, a baby. An actual baby or. I had like a baby doll that oh, okay. I used to carry everywhere. A doll, not an actual baby, because that would be weird, as well. Yeah, no, yeah. it was it was just a doll, but it was it looked like a baby, and I used to carry it everywhere. It's quite weird nowadays. I think when you, I mean, obviously myself having children, I can say this, but um, it's weird some of the dolls nowadays that are like really realistic. Yeah. Like weirdly no, realistic. You can feed them. They can cry. Though they can do all kind of body. Just, yeah. Just the 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 prosthetics of their faces is like they actually look like actual babies, like weird weird but, yeah this um, one didn't if uh if you could be best friends with a celebrity who would it be henry cavill be superman oh yeah i was about to say who's that but okay i did say friends i mean you can add with benefits if you really want I'll, but... I'll, I'll start with friends that 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 will be fine okay all right um what's your worst habit um Oh, this one's hard. Oh, sometimes I get very carried away. I can't. I, I tend to get. Um, I go. I go in a lot of rabbit holes, and I get very caught up in ideas. So I have to really work on my critical thinking skills because I am. Cor- cor- I used to get very uh, dogmatic, so that's something I do work on, even with exercise rehab. Um, it's not the be all and end all, uh, so I have to kind of always use my brain to stop myself. But that's not really a habit. So I used to smoke. You can have that one. Okay. <laughs> well, you don't anymore. Good. 
That's a positive thing. Um, Favourite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Pepperoni, good choice. Uh, okay, and lastly, and this is obviously the, the, the big question, would you rather be attacked by one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? One horse-sized duck, definitely. Correct. Correct answer. Definitely. I'll send you your prize in the post. <laughs> It'll be a, a, a four-pack of Ginger Monster. <laughs> I bought a four-pack today in Tesco's, actually. So they were, they were in their new four-for-four-pound-foot bargain. I saw that. I didn't, yeah. I, they, they are taking this one seriously because mm. it's in the fancy little box, wasn't it? Yeah. Not a single serving. So there's no Fiesta one like that, no, which is just... Not. I think it tells you everything you need to know, I'm afraid. So, Big thank Tesco. you. Tesco's oh. got no taste. Well, I'm going to tell that to Mr. Tesco. So, um, yeah, no, thank you for coming on, Hannah. Uh, cleared up a few myths, which is, is always nice. Hopefully the listeners will think, oh, oh I thought that. Now I don't, which is good. So um, thank you. Do you um, Johnny, anything you want to add? Have we missed anything that you want to ask, cover? I know you love the, the kind of fitness. You, you want to talk about your sensory deprivation experience, yeah, didn't you? Sensory deprivation. I was like, I was like mate, she, she works in rehab. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure she's going to know. Yeah, but they they, I did it because it was given to me as a as a Christmas present. So I thought I'll give it a t- give it a go, and I saw it was very relaxing, fell asleep, nice. But when you read some of the things, and they say oh, it's good for post workout recovery. Now I was a little bit sceptical of that. Not that I researched anything into it whatsoever. But what's your initial thoughts on that? So, twelve inches of Epsom salt water, three hundred fifty kilos of it. So you float, 35 degrees, no light, no sound, pitch black, silence. Um, I do believe I read something about the transdermal effect of Epsom salts doesn't really enhance recovery. Um, again, if it put you into a kind of psychological state of relaxation, you may feel kind of better for it. But physiologically, I wouldn't say it has an effect based off the information you've given me do, do you um do you remember the amounts of epsom salts in the stuff you've read because i think and i might be wrong i'm not certainly not questioning what you're saying necessarily but i think i've read that kind of like the average amounts people use at home definitely don't do anything wouldn't be enough but yeah. i think i got a feeling and i could be wrong so this is an evidence-based answer because i can't really remember but like obviously 350 kilos is quite a lot <laughs> um yeah and i'm thinking that like i think there probably is some efficacy in uh the amount of you might absorb transdermally because it's just so fucking much of it um i think yeah. that i think that's basically the take i've always had anyway and as as i say like i am absolutely 100 percent um open to someone saying no that's bullshit brett so because i genuinely yeah. don't know but i i, I mean that's a, that was what i would have said i think i think well actually yeah i'm sure like the fact that there's just such higher dosages in terms of in those things which you can't do at home in a bath which is what everyone else does you know they get their little one kilo bag out tip it in a bath and you think yeah and i think i mean I, I just the whole thing about sensory deprivation i'd be really keen on doing it johnny so i'm glad you yeah. said you enjoyed it i might try to see if there's any way around it yeah that would be definitely something that would be something that i would try but would i try it as a recovery method no no because i took it as because they, they always give you a spiel today it's all a benefit and like whatever mm. yeah. for an experience I think it would yeah. be brilliant you know relaxation yeah. and calming down and you know um, yeah 100% but would it alter your physiology you no. know in terms of muscle soreness or recovery or yeah. what uh, What temperature was it what 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 temperature was it was it like body temperature uh, yeah is it, I suppose it's not supposed yeah. to be contrast with the body is it so, yeah, so it would be like 36 it, or like you just float in and you don't really feel the water. Mm. But what I yeah, like, like that. is if you move slightly and you hit because you float, you can just put your head right back and you float. So for me, it's psychologically relaxing. I don't think of it as like, oh, it's going to make me help, help recover from legs or whatever. But if you tap against the wall now and again, you can a little drip in the water, like a little cave, and it's like, oh, that's so relaxing. I know it's weird, it's like so relaxing, like a little every now and again. I've heard people say that they can almost get into like part psychedelic trances almost because of the the deprivation is so like surreal. 
because it is pitch black in like no noise other than touching the side of a tank you can't feel anything or, or whatever i've heard people say like they just kind of get lost in their own mind you do f- it's, it's surprising how hard it is to think of nothing yeah have you ever tried to meditate mate that's what everyone says when you meditate you're supposed to be thinking of nothing i said i can't think of nothing i can think of everything but nothing <laughs> it's I, no I, matter I, how I, long i try i don't know i can't put a time in a couple of minutes not thinking of anything but then some random and like why aren't you thinking of something yeah. it's like I, you think of something I don't think um, I don't think you're supposed to think of nothing I think you're supposed to be comfortable thinking of anything as in like comfortable in that moment of just whatever's going through your mind happens I don't know if really? that makes sense but I think that's meditation really I think yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't think I, I, don't, I don't believe anyone can get to that space of just literally having an empty head it just doesn't work I just can't I can't I, maybe it's because I can't do it but yeah like the guy who runs he said don't try not to think try and watch your thoughts yeah yeah i think that's what i mean yeah mm. interesting it's is very interesting well, thank I'm you more than 10 o'clock. let us know you get on <laughs> <laughs> um no again thank you uh i've really enjoyed it really enjoyed it so thank yeah, you for coming on um yeah i'll uh i'll say bye now but you can stay on because listeners will 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 well they'll hear this now because I'm saying it but normally everyone say bye and we say bye and then the other person leaves like no you weren't supposed to leave that was just for the listeners yeah <laughs> so that's, say, what I, that's what I did on my last podcast I left and I was like see ya yeah they're like, they like where's, where's, she where's she gone yeah oh where's she go? anyway, so we'll just say bye 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 <laughs> thank you for listening to the NNN podcast if you enjoyed the show please help us by rating on your podcast provider sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people see you next week Thank you.